Our scripture reading this morning is from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. If you don't have a Bible, the words to that passage are printed in the bulletin, but you can also turn in your Bible to that right now or your Bible app, whatever it is you use. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hear these words, hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is God's word. Good morning, Grace Valley. Oh, this is loud. It's nice. Okay, we're, we're on here. It is, uh, though it is a little chilly out today, it's nice to see the sun shining. I don't know if it's been dark and gloomy as much as it's been uh, here in Toronto, but it's just nice to see the sun this morning. Um, before we uh, jump into the word that God has for us this morning, let me say a brief prayer uh, as well, and then we'll see where we go from here. Uh, Lord, we are thankful that in the midst of many things that we hear on a daily basis, and even this morning, that we have a word uh, that we look to that is firm, uh, a word that is unshaken, a word, Lord, that is relevant, but is also authoritative to our lives. And I pray that wherever we are this morning, uh, that your spirit would speak so profoundly to us that you would speak to our minds, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would speak to the places in our lives that we're not even so much aware of, and yet we know that our hearts are wayward. We know, Lord, that we can so easily look to other things, and I pray that this would be a transformative word for all of us this morning, that as we leave, uh, that it would change uh, who we are, uh, because your grace is that sufficient and that great, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well... Uh, the verses that we're going to look at this morning are kind of the conclusion uh, to this very famous uh, sermon that probably everybody here knows, or at least most, on the Sermon on the Mount. And I would say that even to those on the fringes of faith and Christianity and other religions can probably at some point uh, point back to this sermon and maybe take snippets uh, from it or different things that they had heard. I'd love to spend some time talking more about the Sermon on the, on the Mount because there's so much good stuff within it, and yet today will kind of be the bookend of, of some things, of really uh, Jesus drawing a line in the sand as to what we're building our lives on. What is the underlying foundation in our lives? And what I find staggering about this passage, passage, like many that we find within the Gospels, is the sheer recognition of Jesus' authority. And we see it at the end of the passage that there's this astonishment that 
that not, though not everybody in that day chose to really follow after Jesus, they had heard his words, uh, many probably didn't know what to do with it, but there was this astonishment of this man was different. There's something that, that, that differentiated him from the other scribes, from the other leaders, from the other teachers in that day, and in our day as well, I would suppose. And, it's, and what's interesting about it is that people in that day, they weren't unfamiliar with sermons. They probably sat under a lot of different teaching from Pharisees, religious leaders of that day, and so forth. And as Jesus spoke to the disenchanted people of that day, to the skeptics, to those who were immersed and steeped in, re- in religiosity, he invited the hearer into something, something new, something more than just great moral teaching or wise philosophies or self-indulgence even. He was welcoming people, and I want us to hear this, he was welcoming people into direct, transformative contact with the creator of the universe, namely Jesus Christ himself. And I don't think our world is so different today. We look to build our lives on many things. Maybe for some it's moralism and kind of moral relativism or sophisticated world philosophies, but there's so much more, and we could probably fill in the blanks this morning, of financial security Family traditions, our careers, our reputation, sexuality is a, is a huge uh, kind of topic in our culture today in which people are saying that this is where our identity lies, our religious devotion, and the list goes on. And what I want to propose to us this morning, where I'd like to take us is as we look at two houses, two builders, two destinies, we are confronted with how we are building our lives And we must ask, how solid is the ground beneath our feet? And the way that I want to do this, I guess the angle in which I want to take us this morning is looking at really three things that that hopefully undergird that point, and they're this, or they're these. Firstly is looking at the illustration Jesus uses here. Secondly, looking at the, uh, the explanation that he provides And lastly, where does this lead us? So what? What is the application here? So the illustration, the explanation, and and ultimately, what does this mean for us today? Now, with every good illustration, I don't know how creative we all are in here, but with every good illustration, it doesn't just come from sitting in in a study or being in seminary or, you know, just just living in the library. It comes out of real life. And Jesus grew up in the house of a carpenter, learning at the carpenter's bench. And I'm sure over the years of his learning, he would have known what it would take to build a house properly. Any person in that day, and I know we've got to go back quite a few years here to first century Palestine, but if there's any carpenters here or those who can build, uh, who know even a little bit about it, uh, any person in that day anyway would have known that the dry, arid desert in the summertime would create these dry gullies, That may seem for a time being a wise place to build their homes, and yet when the winter seasons came or or the times of harsher climate, uh, it would have have had some destructive uh, forces towards these homes that maybe some didn't have the, the foresight to really see. And like any builder, there have been those who sought to build their house quickly. Just follow me here for a second. It would have been way more convenient, seemingly more effective or efficient to to build right on top of the sand instead of digging down deep to find the solid shelf of the rock to fasten the house to. I'm picturing it somewhat like this, and excuse the simplicity this morning, 
But one builder saying to another, look at me, I have my, will, my walls built up. Why are you taking so much time fill, fiddling around with the foundations? Come on, build quickly, build here and enjoy the fruits of your labor. And what's interesting here is, I think is if you looked at both of houses, one fastened to the rock and one built upon the sand, who could tell the difference, right? They're, who could tell what the differences are? Both houses, they looked great. Both houses were inhabited, probably decorated, probably looked awesome. And yet, the staggering part about this passage is that when the storm of testing came, the inadequate foundation of the house would become immediately apparent. Now, and here I am, kind of hopefully building some kind of rapport with you this morning, but I think that we can all say here this morning that Jesus isn't so much giving us a discourse on architecture as much as he is trying to say, uh, trying to go deeper and, and giving us an illustration of, of how we are ultimately building our lives and the, and the foundation in which we're building on. And that's, wanna, that's what I want to move on to and spend probably most of our time today in Jesus making an impact here in the is represent our lives. And so let's think about this for a sec. Let's not so much think about, sorry, houses as much as we think about building our lives. To live is to build. Every thought, every word, every ambition we have is building something in the present and for the future. How often do we ask ourselves when we get into conversation, and maybe this will be true of us today after the service, say, how is your career coming along? What are your plans? What's next in your life? What is the fabric you're laying down for what you will become? <laughs> maybe you won't ask a question like that. Maybe some of us will. But we do this all the time. They're the building blocks of life, and all of us are picking them up and seeking to fashion the houses of our lives. And as we seek to unpack this parable today, I want to look at some of the similarities that Jesus was saying, but also some of the dissimilarities to these builders and to these foundations. And so let's first look at the similarities. And in verses 24 and 26, it's apparent that for, this, for the similarities that both men have heard the presence of Jesus, men and women and children, they'd stood there and they'd heard these words. Now we might ask ourselves, what are these words that Jesus was saying? <laughs> right? That's, it's therefore anyone who hears these words. Well, we don't have time to go through all of you know, Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount here, but the words of Jesus, I'll say a few things about that. The words of Jesus are the words of good news. They're the words in the sermon that teach us how we are to live in this kingdom that he came to establish. How we are to love one another. These words point to the truth that Christ was the one who would come to fulfill the law. And they stood under it. They, they listened to him. They heard him. So they were both building after they had heard these words. I, I, I'd also want to say that, and I think that we can, kind of ex we can take this from the text, that both of them seem to be building in the same general location being buffeted by the same elements and storms. Both men and women were probably building the same kind of house. Outwardly, they were very similar. Probably responsible citizens. Probably ones who were involved in their family lives. Maybe some, some degree going to the synagogues. And uh, For all intents and purposes, again, you couldn't tell the difference between them. But here is what is substantially different. So crucial that Jesus goes on to say that the wise man not only heard these words, he didn't just hear them, but he actually put them into practice. He heard these words and he acted upon them. And it was like this person, as they heard Jesus' words of loving your enemies, turning the other cheek, not just loving those who love you, but loving those who've offended you, who've wronged you, or 
Or Matthew 6, he goes on to say to seek first the kingdom of God. All these great words. He didn't, they, he didn't just hear them, but that he obeyed them. He relied upon the words of Christ, which I would say in the same breath is relying upon Christ himself. And I think it's important here to see that he didn't just hear the words and just went off and, and, and did them. Because I think sometimes what we lose sight of in church and what they would have at, in that day as well, it's not as if they're following or putting these words into practice we're making them become right before God or earning some kind of favor. I think that's what religion teaches us, and it's so often what we love to do. This type of obedience can only flow from a life that has faith, from a life that, that looks beyond themselves and trusts and relies upon someone other than themselves, upon Jesus here in this context. Another way of saying this, I think, in hopefully this is clear, is that Jesus' words not only conveyed the truth to follow him and saying, hey, come follow me, but they also had the power to enable the, that, the person in that day, the Christian, to obey and believe. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, really concisely, he, I, I like this, but he said it this way to kind of echo his words, and I think that he was one who didn't just hear the words of the Scripture and said, that's very nice, but really lived them out and they, uh, really walked out this life of being a Christian. And he says, only he who believes is obedient. And only he who is obedient believes. Yeah, it's simple here, but he's saying that if you truly believe in Christ, we truly believe in this God of the Scriptures that we read week after week, then it has to necessitate this, this obedience, or else it's not true faith at all. But here's what's striking in the story, and here's, what, here's the, the dissimilarity of the one who only heard the words, and didn't put them into, into practice. He failed to act on what he heard. It's almost as if along the lines of James, and I was reading this week in, in his epistle, that he says, he exhorts the congregation, he says, don't only be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Because the one who hears is like the one who intently looks in the mirror, he looks at himself or herself again, and it's immediately, as you walk away from the mirror, you forget what you look, at. You forget what you look like. It sounds kind of foolish, right? It sounds kind of silly. Who does that? But he's saying here, for, for one who says that, for one who just hears the word, they're like that. They're like the one who doesn't look to the perfect law and apply it to their heart to see that actually that this brings a, a life of flourishing. And so what mattered most in the life of this person, and in the immediate context, I imagine Jesus was looking to these people to, I think many of us, we've heard of the, maybe the religious people of that day who would say all these lofty things and they would want to say it in front of people, probably like what some of us do, probably what like I do it sometimes here today. You know, you say the prayers of confession, especially being through seminary, I probably can rhyme off a lot of different things. Is it always true in my heart? Well, hopefully I'm moving in that direction, but I know it's not always true. And those who were paying lip service before God and others, but inside they were a valley of dry bones. They had forgotten the, mad, uh, the weightier matters of the law. And we could sit here this morning and we could judge and we could look back on that context and point out all the things that they had done wrong, but it's true in our own hearts. It's true of, of so often we can hear these words you say, this is really nice. I've been to church enough. Of many of us, maybe we've grown up in the church. But, but is it producing that faith in us? Is it really being walked out in our daily life? I don't think any of us are doing it perfectly. 
But it's, a, it's, it's, to, it's to be able to recognize and, to become, and come before the Lord in repentance when we see that. So often we deceive ourselves and others with this in our lives. But, what's, but I think the point of what Jesus is bringing across here is in saying these foundations, yeah, they both heard the word, but what happens when the storm clouds of life blow in? What happens when life goes sideways? What happens when actual there, there's testing and there's trial? What happens, when, what happens when the winds begin to beat on the house, the floodwaters rise, and the foundation of what really lies at the heart is exposed? Do we think about that? Do we think at what, the, uh, what is at the root of the heart? What happens when you've just, you're, you're driving home in your car and you've been notified that you've been laid off? What happens when we're sitting at the bed of a loved one who is now facing a terminal illness and... <laughs> We have no control. We don't know what to do in these situations. What happens when there's a seemingly irreconcilable conflict in our family lives that we just know that we can't resolve in and of ourselves? And all of a sudden, it seems that the things that we seek to manufacture, the things that we seek to find consolation, our hope, our joy in, all of a sudden, it seems like it's almost ash. It's sinking sand. It's not solid. It's not rock. The circumstances are endless. But for the one who merely hears the word, it lays a foundation that will ultimately be shaken. Something that, there, that only Jesus can provide. And I want to say something to us this morning. Something that, something that I think makes Christianity so unique, and it's this. Christianity does not claim that we'll be protected from all the sinful, corrupt effects of this world. It doesn't say that there will be physical protection some of us for our actual real homes, interestingly enough, this is a real circumstance and situation that maybe even some of us here are enduring this morning. But what it does offer is that there is a certain hope, a love that is unconditional, a grace that is unspeakable. And, and how do we ask this is unique? How do we ask when our foundation, it's seemingly, it's, it's being shaken, it's rumbling, life is going out of control? Well, I think as we look into the Scriptures, and I think as we look to the narrative of redemption in the Bible, we find, that this, we find that the rock that we ultimately speak about building our life on is the stone that the builders rejected. The one who came into this world as, as our Creator. The one who He could have used His authority for, the, for a world that had gone shipwrecked and say, I'm going I'm to leave these people to themselves. You know, they've, they've gone wayward, they've gone hellbound, they want to they build their own foundations, their own lives. Well, so be it. We could stand condemned. But does he leave us there? No. The very, the very stone that the builders rejected has become, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, the now cornerstone of the church, and really the cornerstone of all, on which all of life is built Jesus himself, I want us to hear this is, inc- this is incredibly unique. What is unique about Christianity? That he took our sin, our shame, not to mention the ultimate storm of God's wrath that no man or woman could stand against. And now in overcoming death, in overcoming sin in the grave, he stands offering an eternal foundation that no created thing in, in this universe could ever offer us. That he went to a place that we could not go to give us a life that we don't deserve. An eternal foundation that 
I don't know what we're all going through here today, but that we can look and we can, we can gaze upon Him to see that He is our hope, our joy, and a grace that is unspeakable. Can we see it this morning? It's just words, just things that we hear. It's, yeah, yeah, you know, Paul speaks about this a lot, or we sing about this in our songs, but it takes faith. It takes that faith in our hearts to enlighten our eyes to see this is true, that this is really done, what's done for us. And what makes him look so beautiful in all this? What makes chains begin to fall in our lives when the floodwaters rise and the winds begin to beat against the house? We can stand there, we can sit here in, in this service or in our homes, in our living rooms, in our jobs with sometimes just a mustard seed of faith and say that he is enough. God, God is enough. That his word will sustain me. That his promises are true. And I think with this explanation, we sit here and we react in our hearts. Think, is this, is this me? How solid is my foundation this morning? And so I want to ask us, as we look at the application, so what, what might this mean for us? What might this look like in our lives? And again, I ask us, as I ask myself this week, and as I was driving here and talking with my wife, what foundation am I building my life upon? Sometimes for us, it looks like on the outside, everything looks great. Everything looks put together. Nobody can see really what's going on. You know, I have a nice house, good career, good reputation. Seemingly things are maybe going all right for me. What would happen if we, to ask ourselves, what would happen if we lost the very things that we were so driven after? The things that in, in the idle moments of our life, our mind just so easily turns towards. The things that we cherish most, the things that we desire and we long for, maybe the things that we have, it could fill in the blanks. What would happen if those things, if we lost them? If the storm comes in and, and, and sifts these things, if we lose them? And I'd want to say to us this morning that sometimes, and I'd probably, actually I'd want to say all the time, that it's God's mercy in our lives that allows these storms to come. It's God's mercy that allows these storms to reveal the cracks in our foundation, to, to truly show us God knows what is in our hearts, but to truly show what lies at the, bare, at the bare place of our identity. The counterfeit glories in our life that deceive us and never satisfy. And yet we can sit here this morning and we can echo again the words of James and say, how, how could one count it actually pure joy when trial and testing comes our way? When our, house is being, you know, when our house is being tested, the house of our lives, how can we count it true joy? How many of us can we say that this is actually producing in us something, a faith that will leave us pure and lacking in nothing? Over the past few years of my difficult challenges, physical challenges and illnesses that I've never, that I've never faced before in my life, you know, played basketball, I'd like to say pretty athletic. Now I feel like I'm getting a little bit older, but it's there in my mind still anyways, you know. Um, but this, this year, it's some incredible, incredibly different, difficult things where I could no longer even look to my health, look to just me waking up every morning and taking that for granted, putting things into perspective for me. And in that moment, as the storm is coming down, am I going to be one who had just merely heard the words or one who has trusted Christ 
not to buy into the lie that he's not powerful enough to deliver me, but maybe he's doing something more in this. Maybe he's orchestrating something so merciful that is exposing the ways that I'm not trusting him, exposing these false, these false glories that, I so, that we can all so easily look towards. Do we fall into despair or through the deepest possible pain do we trust that he is actually conforming us more into the image of Christ? Isn't that the hope? Isn't that what's greater than having any reputation built up, any career, any family lineage, any sexuality that we could seek after or whatever it may be? To actually be formed into the image of Christ. It's a struggle. It's a daily challenge. It's something that as the, we, we, we follow the disciples' words and saying, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief because I fail to believe the gospel. I fail to believe that he is truly sufficient for me. And I, I was, as I was reading through the gospels this week, I was reminded of Peter's words uh, in John chapter 6. As many disciples had kind of followed after Jesus and some things he would say were incredibly simple, but other words that he, that he would share to them were they're challenging words. They were hard words. They, there are words where it's like, what, Jesus, what do we do with what you're saying here? And many people had left Jesus. They had walked away. And he looked towards Peter, and here I am paraphrasing, but he, he looked towards Peter and he said, Peter, are you going to follow after them? Are you going to leave also? And what was Peter's response? Peter said that he, he looked at Jesus and he's like, Jesus, you have the words to, to eternal life. You hold the words to eternal life. Where else am I to go? You are the Holy One of God. And I want to encourage us in that this morning. Whatever situation that we're in, wherever we are in our faith, maybe we don't even necessarily know. We haven't heard much of Jesus' words. But in these times that we can trust that His word is true and we can trust that these words do bear the witness to eternal life and to that foundation that we can say, I will build on Him. I wanna, and I do want to say, if there's those here this morning who maybe haven't heard much of the words of Jesus at all before, it's kind of new and maybe you've been around church for a while, but you could say, I, I'd never opened the Bible. I, I never really, even as, you know, God forbid, as Paul's preaching on Sundays, it's like, I, I feel like my heart remains untouched. I feel like I'm not hearing these words. I feel like they're just going right over my head. I encourage you to pour over the scriptures with the, the, the biggest doubts that you have. The areas where you're struggling about this idea of identity and foundation, of what we're really building on. To ask questions privately and publicly. Ask God for faith that these words may actually lead more than just hearing them, but lead us into practice. Lead us into actually doing them. Lead us into a place where we can actually see that God is producing that kind of obedience in us. That's my prayer this morning. And as we sang the words this morning that I think are so powerful, I just want to I want to say the one last time before we pray, and, and then maybe if you have a few, few questions, we, we can talk a little bit more about things. But listen to this beautiful hymn that's written that we sing and we sing again, but the truth of it in which it's saying here. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, and my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. 
And so I ask again, what is the foundation beneath our feet this morning? Is the foundation which we're standing on, is is it firm enough that when the fiercest droughts and storms, is it strong enough for that? And I want to say that, that Christ is the only one. He is the one who can provide that, that type of foundation where all of our fears are stilled, where our strivings cease as we continually trust upon him. So let's pray this morning. Father, we, we thank you for a, a simple parable in a sense that, that even a child can believe. We thank you that there's such a simplicity about your word and yet such a depth. And I pray that your spirit would search our hearts this morning and yet we lose sight. We lose sight of the gospel. We fail to believe what you've done for us and given us that eternal foundation that that ultimately, Lord, covers us from, Lord, your wrath and your judgment and gives us eternal life. And I pray that where we are today that you would give us faith to simply believe and to depend upon your word, which actually lead us to yourself, to cherish and to savor you more in our lives. I pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.